G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. For most of us, as our careers get underway and as our experience grows, we find ourselves being promoted. Being promoted often comes with a little more money and certainly more responsibility. We find ourselves not just at the bottom of the food chain, but others become reliant on our newfound authority. Getting it right or getting it wrong affects not only the success of the business that we work in, but the relationships that we share with those who are above us and those who are below us. Our special guest today has been asking the question, what would Jesus say to the middle manager? Dr. Sam Chan was born in Hong Kong, grew up in Australia, studied medicine at the University of Sydney and has a PhD in theology. He's written a number of books, a couple of those worthy of mention, Evangelism in a Skeptical World and Preaching as the Word of God. Sam Chan is a speaker for the City Bible Forum. He's based in Sydney and joining us for this conversation, we'll open our talkback lines very shortly. Hello, Sam Chan. Welcome back to 2020. Oh, good day, Neil. Thanks very much for having me. Well, Sam, always love getting your insights into issues like this. And uh, I've got to say, what a great creative way of getting into a subject which is so relevant for so many of us. And uh, when we talk about middle managers, uh, we find us ourselves most of the time, uh, we find ourselves on a career climbing ladder. Uh, what are your thoughts for, uh, you know, just for even tackling a topic like this? Oh, well, yeah, it's something that concerns almost every single one of us because unless we become the CEO of the company, chances are we will find ourselves in some form of middle management. And that seems to be the pathway to life. We study hard in our 20s. We get the qualifications that we need in our 30s. We jump the hoops. And suddenly around the 40s, we realize, oh, my goodness, we plateau, and this is where I'm probably going to be for the rest of my working life, uh, giving orders, but also taking orders from other people. Well, I guess the important thing as Christian believers is what sort of wisdom can we gain from the Bible or from Jesus himself when it comes to being a person who's somewhere on the corporate ladder but in that sort of middle management role and uh, you've picked up uh, the story of the centurion take us through the significance of this story the way it appears in the bible oh yeah i mean the story of the centurion is something i've heard many many times so i only just picked up on this aspect this time reading it through this year i don't know how familiar our listeners are but a centurion who's uh, uh you know a God-fearer, very loyal to God. Uh, His servant is sick and dying. So he he asked Jesus to heal his servant, and Jesus agrees to go. And then as he's on his way, the centurion says, well, wait a minute there. Uh, I understand how authority works. I give commands, but I also take commands. And so I know, Jesus, you have authority, so I know with a word you can heal. And then Jesus goes, oh, my goodness, this is amazing 
faith. I've never seen such faith before. And he says, your request is granted. Your servant is healed. But I think the thing that I picked up this time, which I haven't picked up before, was the centurion actually says, I'm a man who gives orders, which I'd always heard before. But then he says, I'm a man who takes orders. And I thought, wow, this guy is in middle management. And then I researched this a bit more. I always thought a centurion was his big strong officer in the Roman army because I read Asterix comics and the centurion was, you know, a big, strong commanding officer. But when I researched it, the centurion, although he commands a hundred soldiers, hence the word centurion, he's actually at the bottom of all the officers. He has all the other officers above him giving him orders. And also, if he had begun life as an enlisted soldier, this was probably as high as he was going to get as an officer. So it was always going to be middle management for the rest of his life, giving orders, yes, but to only 100 soldiers, but always taking orders himself. Interesting, isn't it? Because we're talking about a chain of command here. And as you say, the centurion, he's a military man. And I've found that people that I know who have a military background somehow or other are much more attuned, much more familiar with this idea of giving and taking orders. Is this something that those of us who don't have a military background perhaps need to get a little bit better of an idea of when it comes to Jesus, the fact that Jesus actually commends him so greatly for for having this capacity and having great faith? Is this something that perhaps some of us lack if we haven't had that sort of military background exposure? Wow. You know, I think you're so right because... Um, I think all of life is hierarchical. There, There is a ladder of authority, but somehow in the West, especially, we live in denial as if there is no hierarchy, as if there is no authority. Jonathan Haidt, uh, who writes uh, the book um, The Righteous Mind, he says, we in the West, we are weird, literally weird, W-E-I-R-D, because we're W, Western, where E, egalitarian, where I, individualistic, R, we're rich, and D, we're democratic. And we're actually off the charts. Like, there's no other society that thinks that, that way, that we can be so individual and so egalitarian. We're really, we are, there are hierarchies, there are structures of authority, and we can deny them, but they exist. Like, you can see in a soccer team, there's a hierarchy of authority in an orchestra, there's a hierarchy of authority. And in every workplace, no matter how much you try to flatten it, there is a hierarchy of authority. And what someone pointed out to me was that Centurion, maybe he does get it because he is from the military where there's a very explicit hierarchy of authority. So he very happily submits to the authority of Jesus. Whereas for many of us in the West, where we've been told the myth that there is no authority, uh, so just do whatever makes you happy. You know, we are our own authorities. We're the ones who are going to find it hard to submit to the authority of Jesus because we don't realize there is such an explicit uh, hierarchy of authority, especially when it comes to God and Jesus. Well, you know, you're identifying something that is in our Australian ethos, which is a clash with what we'd understand here as a kingdom principle, and that is this idea Mm. of authority. Uh, There's something, isn't there, in the Australian ethos, this sort of Australian rebellion against authority. And you know what? And we, we actually champion it when we talk about the Anzac spirit. 
Mm. And, you know, I guess this plays over into the way we live out our faith into church life because there's a certain hierarchical structure in the way that the church is set up too. Uh, What are your thoughts for this sort of Anzac spirit and the fact that, uh, you know, this may be actually a bit of a clash with a, a kingdom idea? I think so. Mark Sayers, who's in Melbourne, he sums it up perfectly. He says, we in Australia and we in the West, we're trying to enjoy the kingdom, like the blessings of being in the kingdom, but without the king. So we're trying to have it both ways, where we can enjoy what comes from having hierarchy and authority, but then we don't want the hierarchy or the authority. We enjoy the kingdom without the king. And interestingly, in this story with the centurion, Jesus says something like... um, those who are on the inside, who thought they were inside of the kingdom, they're going to find themselves on the outside. But those on the outside, like the centurion, who are foreigners, who we wouldn't have thought were people of God, they're going to find themselves on the inside. And what Jesus is saying is what he says elsewhere in the Bible, the first will be last, and the last will be the first. And we as Australians love that bit about what Jesus says, because it sounds like he's championing the underdog. You know, he's sticking it to the man. He's being anti-authority. I explain what Jesus said. There sounds like Jesus saying, you know, the surgeon is going to find themselves the cleaner, and the cleaner will find themselves the surgeon. The judge is going to find themselves the criminal, and the criminal will become the judge. The university professor is going to find themselves the student. The student will become the professor. And as Australians, we love that. You know, this is us, you know, as the pedestrian when it says, don't walk. We walk, you know, because we're not going to listen to authority. And this is us in the school cafeteria having the food fight. We love the mayhem, the anarchy, the chaos. But as I point out in, in some of my City Bible Forum talks, although we love the idea of no authority, at some stage we realize, you know, hang on, I actually do need some authority. It's okay for pedestrians uh, to not obey a red stop sign, but I need cars to obey red lights. It's okay every now and then to have a food fight in a cafeteria, but eventually I will need food in the cafeteria, otherwise I'll get hungry. And if I go to hospital, I don't want the cleaner operating on me. I want the surgeon. If I go to court, I don't want the criminal being my judge. I actually want the judge. And after all, at university, you know, I want the professor teaching me and not my fellow students. So we do need some authority. And that's where we're living in a denial in the West. We think we don't need authority. Uh, But we actually do need authority. And the question is, well, who is the right authority to have in our life? And I guess it's where Jesus places himself and says, well, you know what? Make me the authority that you put your trust in. Uh, This is a really wow conversation here because really when we put our own selves into the picture here and we say, well, here we are in this middle management and here's Sam Chan talking about authority and getting an understanding of uh, giving orders, but also taking orders. And when you talk about authority here, Sam, you've got this uh, almost a challenging thought here, because when we talk about the authority of Jesus, we're talking about a righteous authority. Some mm. of us are taking orders when we're not coming under the sort of righteous direction from those above us. Now, that's, this gets us into some deeper waters here, but for a, a middle manager thinking about the authority that we're under and the orders that might be coming may not be as righteous as the orders that we might give to those who are below us if we have faith in the workplace. Give us some little insights here into how you pitch your faith when you are in middle management. Yeah, and interestingly, for the majority of the Bible, 
the Old Testament and the New Testament, the people of God live as foreigners under foreign command. So you just imagine Moses in Egypt, Joseph in Egypt, Daniel in Babylon, Esther in Persia, even Paul in Athens, the Apostle Peter in Caesarea, they're actually under foreign authority. And sometimes those authorities are going to ask them to do things that they don't agree with. Sometimes they ask them to do things that they do agree with. So there's a spectrum of engagement. So Andrew Cameron, who teaches ethics in Canberra, says we actually can sometimes choose to cooperate with what people above us tell us to do because the principles align. And sometimes we see that with Joseph in Egypt. Or sometimes we can choose to subvert what uh, we're told to do. So we're told to do something. And although we don't agree with the principles, we can change the principles and keep on doing it uh, for, for kingdom principles. Other times we're going to have to whistle blow and call out an employee and say, hey, listen, I don't agree what, with what you're asking me to do. And we see that with Daniel and Babylon. But other times we may have to say, you know what, I withdraw, uh, I resign, I don't like the person this is making me become, and there's a place for that in the Bible. But it's wisdom. So you know the Bible, there's Proverbs, where I love Proverbs, because there's this verse that says, answer a fool according to their folly, and right next to it, in the next verse, it says, don't answer a fool according to their folly. And so then, well, which one is it? Do I answer? Do I not answer? And sometimes you realize that the stand we make isn't just a stand on what's true. It isn't just what a, a stand on what's right or wrong. But sometimes, what is the wise thing to do here? And interestingly, Jesus in the New Testament says, you know what, they're gonna, he said to his disciples, one day they're going to bring you before authorities. Uh, they may ask you to do things that you don't agree with. You're going to give an answer. But Jesus says, I will give you wisdom at that moment. So I think as Christian workers, what we need most of all is wisdom, knowing when to answer, when not to answer, when to cooperate, when to subvert, or when to withdraw, when to obey. So we need a lot of wisdom here. We're all on this discipleship path, aren't we? And yeah. uh, when we are brought to a point where the rubber hits the road and we're actually under pressure and we're called on to do something that is perhaps even corrupt, uh, but this is where what has been discipled in us comes to the fore and God brings out his ethics into a situation. That's a powerful thing to think about. Oh, totally. Like... Again, the examples in the Bible are amazing because you have Joseph who's able to cooperate fully with Egyptian pharaoh, like his principles align. But then you have Daniel in Babylon being asked to eat food that doesn't go with his uh, Jewish food laws. So he finds a way to stay employed uh, uh, but to but follow his own food laws and not the Babylonian food laws. And he shines, like he shines above and beyond all the other Babylonians because he's known for his wisdom. So somehow by living according to God's principles, he shines in a way that the other, I guess, employees don't. But then there's that moment where he's asked to not pray to his own God, and that's where he says, nah, buddy, I am going to pray to my own God. I'm going to make a stand here and at the risk of, you know, loss of employment, loss of life. And so there's a spectrum for us as well as Christians. Sometimes we obey, sometimes we cooperate, sometimes we just say, you know what, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, but other times we're going to have to stand up and take a stand for it. Sam, before we move on in the conversation, give us a little insight into how things are developing with the City Bible Forum. Uh, you're in every capital city around the country. 
Yes, we are. So every year we get bigger and bigger and bigger. So that is exciting. So it seems like what we're doing is working and people are just getting on board. So what City Bible Forum does is we help Christians in the workplaces network and meet other Christians and they can support and pray for each other, maybe read the Bible together. But even more importantly, we run events that Christians would find it easy uh, to invite their non-Christian work friends too. So these could be events that happen during lunch times, before work or after work. And we find, what I say, creative ways to do this so that uh, our non-Christian friends are hearing about Jesus in fresh, imaginative ways. So sometimes it could be running a movie in a moving c- cinema and afterwards there will be a Q&A panel. Or sometimes we put on TED-style talks. Sometimes we do Easter talks. So I'll be about to do a whole set of Easter talks in all the business districts across Sydney, including Barangaroo and Rhodes and Cochlear. And uh, we just had a Life at Work conference in most of the major capital cities of Australia where we had Eddie Wu, uh, the WooTuber, the maths teacher, and he was one of our keynote speakers. That is fabulous and always so good to hear of things developing so well as they are because there you are right in the middle of CBDs in the capital cities around Australia. So really you're talking to people who are in this sort of middle management every day and they're under all of the sorts of pressures and stresses that come from being under those orders that are coming from above and then being responsible to make the right orders to those who are below. We were talking about the centurion and Jesus exchange with the centurion recognizing that he had such tremendous faith uh, to expect that Jesus didn't need to come and heal his servant that Jesus could just speak the word and that would happen uh, let's uh, talk some more a little bit about uh, the the person who's in middle management positions right now uh, not everybody feels like they're much of a boss uh, oftentimes you're in middle management you still don't feel like the boss what, how much uh, significance is there, Sam, in this idea of, uh, of recognising the authority that you do have or perhaps just recognising how much authority you've got at the particular level that you're on? That's right. I think most of us eventually find ourselves as a cog in a big machine, just caught in the middle. And it's horrible being caught in the middle because whatever makes your boss happy is not going to make the people you know, below you happy. And whatever makes the people below you happy is not going to make your boss happy. It's almost like we have these competing, conflicting values. And so I guess it's just understanding that with uh, freedom, with authority comes responsibility. So it's just that awful place to be caught in the middle, isn't it? Caught in the middle is what you often are when you are a middle manager. Let's talk about some other wisdom that we might glean from the Bible when it comes to being a middle manager, a person who's on the corporate ladder. I used to have a T-shirt, Sam. Uh, It used to read, I can't be fired, slaves are sold. And, uh, of course, sometimes we can feel like we're slaves in our workplace. And oftentimes it's because maybe it's it's just purely and simply just hard work or we've got others who are, you know, even in a sort of such an authoritative, uh, almost bullying uh, position above us, uh, sometimes not easy to deal with when you're actually this person. Uh, But the, the Bible does speak into the attitude of people who were even in the first century in that context of being actual slaves. Oh, for sure. So Colossians chapter 3, I think it's very relevant for almost all of us. It's where you have that section where Paul writes the slaves and instructs them how to behave according to their owners. And in the 21st century, when we see the word slave, 
uh, we, we read into it all the, you know, the 21st century understandings of slavery, and that would be the wrong way to read it. We need to read it back in Paul's first century. Slaves aren't the slaves we think of when we think of 21st century slaves. Slaves are people in society who, uh, because they couldn't pay off their debts, they could sell themselves into slavery towards another owner and then, then work off that debt. And it's actually very scarily similar to how we find ourselves today because we all have credit card debt, we all have mortgages towards the banks, and so then we work for, to a, for an employer to pay off those debts. So it's very similar to first century slavery, scarily similar. And Paul has fantastic words of wisdom, and, and what he says to the slaves and workers like us is no matter who we're working for, no matter who our boss is, in the end, we're working for Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate boss we're working for. So uh, work for him. And it says Jesus sees everything. So if we're being bullied, if there are injustices, if we're not being treated fairly, if other people are being promoted ahead of us, if people are taking credit for our ideas, it says it's okay. Jesus sees everything, and he will make sure you are rewarded. In other words, you will be paid what you're worth. So that's very encouraging. And it also says, I think, by, because we're working for Jesus, ultimately there'll be a wisdom, there'll be a meaning, there'll be a purpose behind what we do. Uh, so I work in medicine, and they say in healthcare and teaching, there's an obvious link towards you know, the value that we give. To society and there's a high rate of job satisfaction but for many of us there's not an obvious link and so by knowing that somehow we're working for Jesus uh, we know somehow we're bringing Jesus love mercy and justice onto this planet even though it doesn't seem obvious that we're adding any value to this uh, to this world the example I give is in my boys discovered karate kid just last year the original 1980s Karate Kid movie where I think most of us are familiar with where the Karate Kid has to win a tournament so he gets a coach, Mr. Miyagi and for a long time Mr. Miyagi coaching the Karate Kid is a very frustrating time for the Karate Kid because Mr. Miyagi just gets the Karate Kid to do seemingly meaningless tasks like painting the fence and waxing the car painting the fence and waxing the car but at the end of the movie when it's a tournament, there's an obvious wisdom because painting the fence and waxing the car, we suddenly realise we're all karate moves that could win the tournament for the karate kid. And I think the same with us. When we do these seemingly meaningless tasks day after day, somehow there's a wisdom that Jesus has and it's just one small piece in a bigger puzzle. We can't see the bigger puzzle, but Jesus has it all under control. And somehow what we're doing adds value, purpose, meaning and hope uh, to this world, even though we can't see it at the time. I can see that sort of wax on, wax off idea is yeah. uh, is something that, as you say, seems mundane, seems meaningless. But when it comes to what your uh, uh, what your value is in the organisation into the future, that's going to be an important thing that you've learned to be able to do that. And of course, the wax on, wax off idea that happens parallel almost to our workplace by what's happening in perhaps our Christian walk, uh, our involvement with our local church. Church because we're constantly reminded, aren't we, that we are salt and light. 
and that the influence that we have in creating some sort of culture around us oftentimes mm. is happening in our workplace. And so our faith becomes very important for what happens in our workplace. What are your thoughts about the, the way we create culture just by being there, Sam? Oh, I think one of the most amazing things is when we work in a workplace, we get to image Jesus. And what Jesus does uh, when, he's, when he was on the planet was he was so patient and he treated each and every person like they really were. They were in the image of God. So there's an amazing story where, you know, Jesus gets off a boat, uh, gets off, uh, he's just come up the lake, and Jairus, the synagogue leader, falls at Jesus' feet and begs with Jesus to come to his home because his daughter of 12 years old is dying. And Jesus goes, you know what, I will go. So whatever plans Jesus had at that moment, he drops them and patiently goes with Jairus. And then as they're going, you know, another woman who's been bleeding for 12 years and no one can heal her, touches Jesus' cloak and she's healed. But then Jesus stops and says, who touched me? So Jesus has time now to pause and treat her like she's the most important person, uh, you know, on the planet. And I think the insights for us is when we work, each and every person that we work with and interact with is in the image of God and treat them importantly. And I think at the least for our work colleagues is learn their names, take an interest in them and treat them like an important person. Eddie Wu, who I just heard speak at uh, City Bible Forum Life at Work conference in Brisbane says he was teaching at a high school where there was a maintenance worker who'd been there for 12, uh, 25 years and no one knew his name. So that when a package came for Nick, no one knew who Nick was, but he was a maintenance man who'd been there for 25 years. And Eddie said, that was terrible. That guy is in the image of God. So as workers, we have the the freedom and the responsibility and the opportunity to treat everyone, no matter where they are in the hierarchy, as if they're the most important person. So I'll just share something. A girl in my church, she works as a lawyer, and she said to me, her partners are so self-absorbed uh, that all they want to do is tell you what they did over the holidays, but they never once ask you what you did on your holidays, and they've never once taken the time to learn what the names of the children are. And I thought, you know what, as Christians, at the least... We can ask people what they did on the holidays and be genuinely interested and also ask them what the names of their children are and ask them why they name them because parents spend 40 weeks coming up with you know, what to name their children with. So there has to be some meaning behind that name and just start from there. And people notice that we have a, a beauty, a love that shines above everyone else's in the workplace. I think just starting with those small baby steps. And really, when it comes down to it, when we recognise that there are people in our workplace perhaps above us on the ladder who recognise that we have value, that actually yeah. contributes to our having value. Let's talk about this climbing the ladder because mm. if there is a very poor workplace culture in your workplace, yeah. Sam, uh, the fact that you are there and moving up that corporate ladder, the way that this salt and light really makes a huge influence on whatever organisation you might be talking about, is that at some point in there, someone, you or someone with your values, displaces or moves into one of those leadership roles and all of a sudden you then become responsible for the culture of the whole organisation. So yeah. all of this learning actually has its benefit to the organisation if, if the right culture gets promoted to the right level. Oh, for sure. So if we find ourselves in these positions of leadership, 
it's a fantastic opportunity for us to lead the same way Jesus would have led, you know, basically as a servant, mentor. So they say the problem with most leaders is they're deeply, profoundly insecure because they fear they're going to be found out that they don't have the skills to be where they are. And that forces them to be proud and to elevate their achievements. But as Christians, when we get promoted, we can be profoundly humble, knowing that, you know what, uh, I'm where I am because God has put me here. So I can be humble enough to acknowledge, you know what, it's not only because of my achievements, but it's God who somehow has a wisdom and purpose to put me here. So we can be humble and secure, and that will make a profound difference to the workplace. So we can um, parade other people's ideas without having to pretend we came up with them ourselves. We can be gracious. We can forgive. We can acknowledge our mistakes. We will, again, have a way of shining in the workplace if we can be servant leaders who are humble and secure. Let's talk about that leaders thing because, you know, some people will say, I'm just the manager. I just make sure the systems work. I'm not really doing a leadership role. But this is a leadership role when you've got people who are responsible to you. I'm just thinking of, uh, I think it's Mark chapter 10, uh, James and John and their their, uh, aspiration to uh, sit at the right and left hand of Jesus when he comes in in his uh, glory. So, And, of course, Jesus' response to them was, uh, you know, that the great among you should be the servant so when we talk about leadership here uh, when we're talking about people who are managers and leaders uh, there's a certain level of servanthood that needs to actually be a part of that management role yes it's just knowing what is my purpose of being a leader if we try to be a leader to make ourselves feel important for status for success, uh, we will burn ourselves down and we will destroy our workers as well because now we're asking them to die for our dreams and it's a horrible way to be a leader and it's unsustainable. But if we think, okay, I'm going to be Jesus as a leader and my purpose of being here is to love and serve the people who work for me and to love and serve the community, oh, that will be a way where we get to flourish and the workers under us get to flourish. So, again, thinking, why am I here? And Eddie Wu, again, I'm sorry to keep talking about him, but he was amazing when I heard him the other weekend. I don't know how people, how much people are familiar with Eddie Wu's story, but he is a Christian, and he went to a selective high school, where usually the purpose of going to selective high school is your parents have put you there to get you into something like medicine or law. So he does it. He studies hard. He gets the marks needed to get into medicine or law. But he decides, you know what? As a Christian, I've been put here by God to love and serve the people around me. And I can do that as a doctor, but right now I think we've got enough doctors. I can better do that as a teacher. So he decides to become a high school teacher, uh, mainly because that's, that was his best way of loving serving those around him. I think the same thing with workers and, and leaders. I'm here not just to pay the bills, but finding ways that I can love and serve those around me. And if we do that, we will flourish and the people around us will flourish. And so when we bring this connection with God into this servanthood here, because mm-hmm. uh, I suspect there might be a few uh, brains rattling going, oh, you know, well, I'm just being encouraged all the time as a Christian to be a servant to people. But there is a certain sense mm-hmm. in here, and I'll get your thoughts, Sam, what we yeah. do when we serve people is that we serve Christ first to yeah. the people. Uh, and so there's something that he's already 
uh, role modelled for us in servanthood and then we're implementing that. That's not so much being a slave to the people who are supposed to take orders from you. This is a different way of thinking about servanthood, but it's Christ in us, isn't it? Oh, for sure. And at City Bible Forum, I've blessed with the most amazing bosses uh, because they, they trust me. Uh, they gave me, give me freedom to fail. And they're always taking one for the team. They really are uh, servant leaders. So you, you, you see just in little things like that, every time uh, something needs, has fallen through the cracks and needs to be done, they seem to be the ones that say, you know what, I'll do it. I'll do it. Like, like, for instance, it could even be just putting themselves on the washing up roster or something or moving the chairs or, or settling a bill. And I think somehow they take one for the team. And that seems to be how Jesus does it. He, he, take, he literally takes one for the team. He dies for, for, for us. And bad leaders ask us to die for their dreams and visions, whereas good leaders are prepared to sacrifice themselves Uh, for their workers. And I think that's being Jesus, being a servant leader. And Sam, if you were making a decision to alter the way that you function as a middle manager, uh, what sort of difference do you think that makes in your workplace culture, in your own life, perhaps even in the leadership you give within your own family environment too? We're running out of time here, but uh, just a final thought or two on how we connect our faith into our workplace like that. Oh, I think going back to just our faith allows us to be humble and secure. And that is just an amazing place to be in. Humble, I don't have to keep promoting myself, elevating my achievements. Uh, Just knowing that this is a gift from God for me to enjoy and being secure, knowing, again, this doesn't depend on my achievements. If we can be workers who know that Jesus is perfect, so I don't have to pretend to be perfect to those around me, that, that just goes a long way to becoming a great husband, a great father, a good brother, a good uncle, and a good worker. Well, I've mentioned a couple of your books that you'd written, Evangelism in a Skeptical World, and another one called Preaching as the Word of God. Have you written about this question that we've been talking about today in any of your books, or have you got something uh, that listeners might be able to go to and get some further insights here, Sam? I haven't written about these ones yet, but people can go to the City Bible Forum website, I think citybibleforum.org, and if they look under Library... The, uh, and look under library and they look for my talks, they'll see my talk, which is what would Jesus say to the middle manager and they'll find other similar talks as well. Well, I think there might be a few who might be interested in taking a little closer look at that and uh, so I'll point people to citybibleforum.org and uh, if you find that link to library and then Sam Chan Talks, uh, you'll find some more on this topic that we're talking about today. Dr. Sam Chan, speaker for City Bible Forum, I encourage those who are listening in capital cities all around Australia to participate in some of the things that happen with City Bible Forum. As uh, Sam said, before work, during the lunch hour and after work, great opportunities to network and connect with people who are in your city and to be exposed to all these fabulous things that the City Bible Forum does. Citybibleforum.org. Sam Chan, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's been a lot of fun. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. 
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.